Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. This week's episode is brought to you by Maid and Mama. Affirmations are positive phrases that help you shape your reality through manifestation. Energy flows where attention goes. Focus on having a beautiful, positive birth experience using affirmations throughout your pregnancy and labor. Owner and artist Jo has created cards with some of her favorite affirmations and art, inspired by her own pregnancy and birth experiences to pass on the magic to other mothers. You can use them throughout pregnancy by displaying them, flicking through them when you need reassurance, during meditation practices or any birth prep rituals you have, and in labor, however you feel called to. Jo gives blessings to all mamas for a safe and beautiful journey and a special discount code for PBA listeners. Use Positive Birth for 10% off on the Made in Mama website. On today's show, we hear from Northern Rivers artist and mother of two, Jo. Being a yoga teacher when she fell pregnant with her first baby at 21 helped Jo connect with her innate instincts and trust in physiological birth. She loved the continuity of care she received from the midwives at her local birth center where she was planning to birth her baby, but at her 34-week scan, concerns were raised about her high blood pressure. A preeclampsia diagnosis and placenta abruption sent her straight into theater for an emergency C-section at 34 plus two weeks. After that experience, she dove deeply into research, educating herself to safely navigate her second pregnancy and avoid preeclampsia or any other complications. Although she desired a home birth, she needed to regain the dimmed trust in herself, choosing to birth in hospital, armed with the knowledge she gained to fight for the VBAC she knew was possible. Enjoy the episode. Beautiful Joe, welcome to Positive Birth Australia. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be able to come on and share my story. Do you want to just start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm currently living in northern New South Wales in the Northern Rivers. Um, 
which is beautiful and a little less damp than it has been <laughs> recently. Um, and I am a mama of two, so I have a just-turned-two-year-old and my little boy is just over three months. Beautiful. Um, and my partner um, as well, my partner Luke. Amazing. Now, just quickly for those that yeah. don't know, you are the incredible artist behind Made and Mama. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's so weird when... When people say that, <laughs> I mean, of course I am, but um, yeah, I never thought I would be be an artist, but I am. <laughs> yes, and an extremely talented one at that. I feel so incredibly grateful to include your products in our Mamai boxes. Oh, thank you. I'm so <laughs> stoked that, um, yeah, they made their way to yes, you. Yes, <laughs> me too. So in regards mm-hmm. to your pregnancies, were they planned conceptions or...? Um, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a little bit. Um, so my first, uh, I'd only been with my partner for a few months, so we were pretty fresh and I think I just turned 21. So I was pretty young too. Um, and I mean, of course, I'd always wanted to be a mum. I was, you know, and I knew that I was going to be a young mum and whatnot. Um, and yeah, we ended up kind of thinking, oh, we were we were just so in love and um, such in a good place, and we were like, oh, you know, like it would it'd be pretty cool if we had a baby, and then um, yeah, straight up just <laughs> happened. We found out we were pregnant. Um, yeah, so we were. It wasn't like super planned, but. Um, it wasn't really an accident either. So. Yeah, okay. And so let's start with your first pregnancy. How was that experience for you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll start with the first. So she was um a really easy pregnancy. Like I was pretty symptom-free. I didn't get too um, unwell or have many discomforts at all, which was really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was pretty smooth, to be honest. Um, so we were still, we were living on the Sunshine Coast at the time. So I just had, um, prenatal care through my local hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, and then around, I'd say six months in, we ended up moving down here, down to the Northern Rivers. Um, and when we moved, I transferred to private care. Mm -hmm. Um, and I planned to birth in a birth house. So like an out of hospital, um, center, um, which was beautiful. And I absolutely loved my private midwifery care. Um, I had an amazing midwife. Um, so we kept seeing her and everything was super smooth and, um, yeah, I felt really good. Was there anything you did in the lead up to that birth to sort of educate yourself? Any resources you found helpful? Um, yeah, I read a few books. Mm-hmm. Um, I also did my, cause I'm a yoga teacher as well. I did my prenatal and postnatal yoga teacher training, um, during that pregnancy as well, which was really nice. Um, and we did quite a lot of, um, like hypnobirthing, um, I suppose content or learning about hypnobirthing um, to use like in yoga if that uh, makes sense and I did read uh, a hypnobirthing book which was nice um, and then yeah I didn't do any like uh, official birth education courses or anything like that um, 
but I did, um, yeah, end up making my, this was when I started making my birth affirmations. So kind of through learning about hypnobirthing and um, doing my yoga teacher training and whatnot, I decided to make my own birth affirmations. So it was just a really nice little process um, that I did like throughout pregnancy towards the end, just preparing for my own birth. Um, and then I ended up sharing like just a few photos through social media of what I, you know, the affirmations I was making. And I had a few people, um, message me and be like, Oh, they're so beautiful. Like you should print them. Like I would buy them off you. Um, and I was like, I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Maybe this, maybe this is a thing. Um, so I actually, yeah, that's where it'll, um, like the first collection that I did, which, um, such a beautiful story. You are so incredibly talented and I genuinely believe everyone needs to get their hands on your affirmation cards. <laughs> so should we jump now to the end of your pregnancy and that first sign of labor starting? Yeah. So um, I my first birth, um, I actually got to 34 weeks and I went in for um, just a regular checkup with my midwife. Um and I was feeling pretty good still at this point. Like I said, I'd had a super smooth, normal pregnancy. Um, and my blood pressure was really high when I had it checked in the appointment. Um, and I'd felt like a little bit off the last week or so, um, just extra tired and whatnot, but kind of in my head just thinking, oh, well, I'm super pregnant. Mm. Um and yeah, so my blood pressure was really high and we ended up checking um, my urine as well. And I had protein in my urine, red flags for preeclampsia. So to the hospital, my blood pressure was even higher. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up being diagnosed. Um, yeah, so I then was in hospital for two days, I think, um, just while they were trying to manage my blood pressure. Um, and did some checks. We did an ultrasound just to check on um, the baby and uh, make sure everything was looking okay. And there was a little bit of abnormal blood flow um, between like coming through the placenta. So we ended up having a emergency C-section. So I never had Mm. any labor or anything. So she came at 34 weeks and two days. Um, so she was preemie as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So it was a huge turnaround from you know like I was geeing up for my um, totally natural birth in now my out of hospital birth center with my private midwife, um, and then within two days um, it had gone from nothing to I had a baby in my arms, which oh, was wow. so, like crazy, a huge experience. Um, and yeah, so she went to um, the special care nursery as well, um, just because she was so early. Um, and so then, yeah, we were in hospital for around a week um, after that because my blood pressure was still all over the place. And yeah, so I was um, pumping heat, like exclusively pumping, and then she was getting breast milk through. Um, through a tube in a, um, into her tummy. So yeah, it was a definitely different um, experience to what I had anticipated. Um, 
but yeah, it was, it was still, I think, a really beautiful um, way to, I suppose, surrender to the experience, um, which I think is so relevant in every birth, no matter what it looks like. Um, There just comes a point where you have to surrender to what's happening and trust that um, you and your baby know what's best and what needs to happen and that, you know, for me, even though I was I had so much trust in, in having a, you know, a physiological natural birth, that that wasn't my my baby and my story for that for the first birth. Um that was, you know, she needed to come that way. Um and yeah, that's what always had to happen. Um I forgot to mention as well, sorry, that um I the emergency C section was uh because started to have a placental abruption, which is okay. because of the preeclampsia. Right. Okay. Could you just explain what that is for the people that sorry, don't... yeah. No, so okay. um it means that pretty much the placenta started to come away from the uterus. So it's it's just like ba- it baby has to come out at that point. Yeah. Um yeah, so that and that is the result of having the preeclampsia and the super high blood pressure and um, whatnot. Yeah. Um, so that was picked up because we, um, I'd had some reduced movements and we did a CTG and her heart rate was abnormal. So that's how they kind of um, figured what was going on. And yeah. yeah. How was your recovery from the entire experience plus the C-section? Yeah, really good actually. Awesome. Um even though I never expected to be recovering from surgery as opposed to recovering from birth, um, I, oh yeah, they said, you know, get up and, um, and move around as soon as you can. So, um, yeah, I was up, she was born in the evening. I was up the next morning charging over to the (laughs) special care nursery. I'd been over there in the night with her, but yeah, I was, I was up charging over to see her and, um, moving around heaps which I think um helped a bit I definitely went a little bit hard on the first few days and then um had to slow down and rest a little bit um after then but yeah really good and then by um yeah kind of six weeks or so I was feeling pretty normal which was nice yeah so when you decided to go back for baby number two were there fears that you had to work through surrounding preeclampsia and placenta abruption totally yeah and I knew I knew straight away from when I had that first um, birth experience that the next time I had a pregnancy and a birth um, if that were to happen that I would have some big um, fears and whatnot to work through mm-hmm. I suppose just because I had like such a, you know, in my background with, um, yeah, I'm super passionate about, um, you know, physiological um, undisturbed birth and, um, yeah, I had this big kind of almost like trust issue to work through because I had trusted my body and my baby so much to think that I'd be able to, you know, we'd do it um, naturally and whatnot that. I felt like my trust had been broken almost. So I had this, um, yeah, big thing to work through. And I suppose it kind of just came back to the surrendering thing again and just, um, yeah, knowing that the next time round, whatever will be will be and that I just had to um, trust that things would be how they needed to be regardless of if that was what I was picturing in my head or, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, that just – the experience would be 
what it needed to be. (laughs) I love that. So what were some of the things that you did in the lead up to that birth to help with your fears? I'm assuming you would have done a ton of research. Yeah, totally. So, um, Straight away um, after that experience, I was researching um, preeclampsia and exactly what it was and if there was anything I could do and this and that. Um, definitely did a bit of a deep dive. Um, and so then by the time I fell pregnant again, um, I felt like a little bit prepared. Mm. I mean, there's nothing, um, there's no solid evidence or whatnot of, um, I suppose, a definite way to prevent preeclampsia or, or exactly what causes it, um, which makes it a little bit tricky. But um, when I fell pregnant second round, uh, second time round, I definitely had a few things like in mind that I was going to do throughout pregnancy to try and help um, prevent it happening again. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of them was I did have a baby aspirin dose like throughout um, the first part of pregnancy, um, which is just like a really small amount of aspirin that you take every day. Um, and that's just to do with blood flow. And, um, there's some, yeah, they've had good, um, results for preventing, uh, hoping to prevent preeclampsia in people who have had it before with that. Um, and then other things like, um, acupuncture I did regularly throughout pregnancy, um, and also some diet stuff. Um, so there's, yeah, focusing on some particular things like protein and, um, calcium and yeah, a few things that, um, I suspect may have been lacking a little bit, um, my first time round, I really focused on in my second pregnancy. Um, and yeah, I didn't end up getting preeclampsia a second round time. Amazing. So I'm not, I mean, who knows? Um, whether I would have anyway, but um, well, yeah. I mean, it doesn't hurt to try, and it obviously did have an impact. Yeah. Oh, exactly. So amazing. Well yeah, done. for sure. Um, and I knew straight away that um, second round time, I'd definitely be going for a V back. So I definitely wanted to um, do everything I could to increase my chances of everything being normal and healthy and um, physiological. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I. I really was hoping for to do a home birth for my second round. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hoping to the first time, but our living situation wasn't um, too good for home birth and ended up in hospital anyway. Um, but yeah, second time round, I really wanted to do a home birth, um, but things just didn't quite line up. I were we were kind of amidst we were living back on the Sunshine Coast, but planning to move back down here again so we were a little bit all over the place um in terms of yeah where we were living what we were doing um so I ended up um having just private midwifery care again um because I loved having a private midwife the first time I think um they're just yeah it's a really really beautiful experience um compared to what I experienced in the public system um so I was a little bit late in booking in for a private midwife, but I ended up finding a yeah a really beautiful private midwife on the Sunshine Coast who was going to do my um, prenatal care up until I moved or we were planning to move down here. 
um, back to the Northern Rivers. So um, she really helped so much um, in terms of preparing for the VBAC and just touching up um, on, yeah, all my birth kind of knowledge and all of that. Um, So I reckon if I didn't have her, I probably would have gone and done some kind of course. But, yeah, she was just perfect for what we needed to kind of prepare emotionally and physically and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And we actually had her guidance still um, when we moved down here, which was beautiful. Like I'd do phone calls with her and, um, yeah, kind of consult her on on stuff that was happening. Um, Yeah, so we ended up moving um, down back down here I think I was oh, maybe 32 weeks ish um, and we were living in our caravan at the time oh, yeah. yeah so <laughs> we lived in a caravan over our first um, pregnancy and birth um, so we were like mm-hmm. oh why not you know we can do it again kind of thing um, we weren't sure if we wanted to settle here or kind of keep going in the caravan and um, like do some more travel and whatnot so we started off in the caravan for those last few weeks of pregnancy and I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't do this with a toddler and a baby and a newborn. So we ended up just finding a little, like, temporary, um, some, yeah, like temporary little house to live in um, kind of over the birth and whatnot until we figured out what was going to happen next. Um, and where we are is um, a very bumpy and rough um hour journey from the hospital so we ended up doing um booking for a hospital birth um just because of what happened last time I felt like I wanted um to maybe be in or near the hospital um and there was no um the the beautiful midwife that I had booked in to do my first birth at Um, through the birth house she was no longer practicing so there was no birth house so hospital or home was really my only options Um, and also considering how late I was in pregnancy um, it was just too it was impossible to find a private midwife to birth at home at that stage so I kind of made peace with that it was going to be in hospital and um, and just kind of yeah really did everything I could to um I suppose be equipped with the with the knowledge and whatnot that I needed to um, try and make it a successful VBAC. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Were you having to get regular checkups because of your previous yes. birth history? Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I did my. I was having my antenatal care with my midwife um, on the sun. My private midwife on the Sunshine Coast. Then when we moved, I was chatting to her on the phone. Um, here and there but then having kind of I suppose like blood pressure and um, whatnot checks through the hospital yeah okay yeah yeah so I was kind of doing a little bit of a combination of private and public care towards the end okay so that's good so they were happy to support your VBAC because you were healthy yes yeah yeah there was definitely a little bit of resistance um, especially (laughs) especially as I was um, getting very close I you know as I got to my due date and I went you know I don't I don't love the term due date but as I kind of got to that full term point and then went over there was definitely a lot of um 
pressure for either an induction or to schedule a C-section, um, which I knew I was totally prepared for that. Um, but I suppose knowing that, um, you know, just having all the knowledge I needed to know that as long as me and baby were healthy, that um, we could continue on and that it wasn't um, medically necessary to do a, a schedule an induction or a C-section. So, um, yeah, I definitely had to fight a little bit, but I totally was G'd up for that. Yeah, good on you. Like you said, you had that confidence to stand your ground because you put in the time and effort, got as much information as you could so that you could make informed decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And it is hard. And I mm. had this um, – I talked a lot about this with my, um, my midwife – uh, from the Sunshine Coast that was, you know, doing my phone calls with me and whatnot, just that kind of thing. And I think especially as women that we just have this people-pleasing kind of yeah. um, nature that we we feel like we have to comply and that we have to make um, the people around us, you know, happy and feel like we're doing the right thing, especially when we feel like they have more knowledge or more authority than us on a topic like it's hard to say to a midwife or a doctor that um yeah that you are confident that you and your baby are fine and that you don't want to schedule a c-section or an induction when they're saying you need to do this for for your health or for your baby if if that makes sense um but yeah so it's a lot of um I think a lot of yeah inner work I suppose and um overcoming those those fears of uh complying you know complying yeah exactly Mm, such a great point so should we jump to the end of your pregnancy then and that beginning of labor you said that you went over yes yeah yeah um yeah so I was around so just over 41 weeks Mm -hmm. um how did that feel in comparison to you first because you what 35 weeks yeah so an extra an extra two months pregnant than my first <laughs> baby wow. um yeah I was feeling pretty good I think um considering um how far how long I'd been pregnant for I suppose mm-hmm. um just the usual you know like bit uncomfortable and so ready for the baby to come but um yeah I was I was pretty happy just trusting that baby would come at the right time and um, I was going in pretty regularly for checks at the hospital, especially um, considering my history um, of preeclampsia and uh, and the C-section. They kind of, I suppose, to make them happy with me not, you know, not wanting an induction or a C-section. I kind of, um, I kind of compromised by going in. You know, I think towards the end I was. Uh, definitely more than once a week, um, yeah, just to check blood pressure and make sure everything was um, still healthy and normal, um, which I was okay with. Um, and then, yeah, we were just over 41 weeks and I started to get some oh, – I went and had acupuncture. Um, I'd been having acupuncture throughout my – pregnancy regularly um and then I went and had acupuncture and cupping done um on a Friday or a Saturday um and then the Sunday morning um so who knows if the acupuncture moved things along or if I was going to yeah. go in 
um, going to labour anyway, but I started to get some contractions um, Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. They were super irregular and um, kind of not very strong. Um, but yeah, it was really exciting for me because this was the first time I'd laboured at all. Because um, I just, you know, I wasn't even thinking about labour or anything. The last, you know, my first pregnancy, it was so sudden and so soon that she came. Um, yeah, so I'd had this, you know, I really enjoyed that like few weeks leading up to it and kind of um yeah getting excited and that in-between phase where you just like feel a bit you know um you're not here or there and you're just waiting and um yeah it was kind of a a really beautiful time I loved that um and yeah so I Sunday morning I started having some contractions and um by the afternoon they were pretty regular uh, and consistent and getting a little bit stronger so I'd kind of started timing them um, around the afternoon Uh, and I had a chat to my midwife over the phone and that kind of thing Um, and then sorry to interrupt yeah yeah but was the plan to stay at home for as long as possible because you said that there was a bit of a bumpy road to get there yeah yeah, so I was kind of um, I was kind of torn between yeah. whether you know I wanted to labor as long as I could at home, considering the journey and that it's it's a really rough like road and um, whatnot. I I was kind of torn between whether to um, labor at home as long as possible and then be kind of interrupting my. Um, labor yeah so you know far along with that drive or whether to go in earlier and kind of get settled and then let it happen so I didn't I didn't I hadn't really decided I was kind of like well I'll just start you know I'll just wait till labor starts and just kind of see how I feel and go from there um so yeah the I didn't have exactly a plan really um I just um labored at home for that you know that whole day from when it started in the morning and then um was kind of amping up in the afternoon evening um and I tried to go to bed and thought well you know I'll get some rest um but couldn't sleep at that point so I got myself up and set up my little um area in my lounge room and rolled out my yoga mat and um, put my diffuser on and, uh, yeah, kind of set up a little space with my birth ball and um, spent hours out there pretty much. I ended up being out there the whole night um, and I was just on my own. Um, my parents had come to look after my toddler and my partner and toddler were asleep in bed and, yeah, it was it was a really, really beautiful um time I suppose and experience and kind of what I had envisaged for my labor um just being at home in my in my safe space and um yeah so I kind of had through the whole night then um pretty consistent regular contractions they were getting stronger um and longer but it was slow like because at this point you know it had been almost 24 hours of 
um, I suppose, early labour or whatever you would um, call that phase. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by the morning, uh, I was really, really tired. So I'd kind of tried to rest here and there and sleep in between, but it just wasn't wasn't happening. Like they were coming too regularly and woke me up. And um, then by the time it got to maybe like four or five in the morning, I was feeling so defeated. Like I was just like, this is taking so long. Um, and it's really hard, you know, you, you know that it could take that long. And I was trying, you know, you prepare yourself to just surrender to what's happening and whatever. But when you're in it and you're, you know, going through um, something like that and it's exhausting and it's emotionally draining and, uh, yeah, it had been so long and I was just feeling defeated and I was like, oh, is this like, you know, it wasn't, they weren't close enough and strong enough that I felt like I needed to go into hospital yet or anything. So I was like, is this going to progress or is it going to fizzle out or um, what's going to happen? Um, and they started to kind of slow down and space out a little bit. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the whole, you know, it's all been for nothing kind of thing, like that mentality. So I was like, oh, I just need to go to bed. I just need to sleep. Um, so I was really, really tired. So I went and lay down and I think I got around two hours sleep. Um, and their contractions had spaced out enough that I had kind of gotten into a deep sleep. I was still getting them intermittently throughout that time, but definitely not as strong or whatever as before. So it was like your body was giving you that rest that you really needed. Absolutely. Yeah. So at the time I was thinking, oh my gosh, surely it's not just going to like all stop and whatever. But, um, yeah, at about six or seven. So I'd had kind of two hours of like pretty solid regenerative rest. Um, I woke up and it was just like go time. Like they were coming hard and fast. So, and I was just like, oh, okay. That was just, (laughs) that was just the rest that I needed kind of thing. (laughs) So interesting because we only spoke about this on last week's episode, how easy it can be to get lost in those surges when they're kind of stopping and starting like that. Mm. Even though we know that our body knows what it's doing, Mm -hmm. it can be really challenging to keep that trust that's needed when you feel like it isn't progressing. Exactly. Yes, for sure. And even though we do all this work to... Um, like trust what's happening and know that intuitively that you and your baby are going to work together to, you know, do what's needed to um, bring them safely into the world. And it's still so hard when you're in it, you start questioning. And, you know, I was doing the Googling of like, you know, what what happens when your labor is slowing down and all of this. And um, yeah, I'm so glad that I just hopped into bed and just like, you know, tried to tune, tune out all the thoughts and just surrender back into, um, what my body needed to do. And yeah, so I jumped out of bed. Well, not jumped. That's, that's, um, (laughs) at at 41 weeks pregnant, there's, yeah, (laughs) there's not much jumping going on. Um, so I hopped out of bed and straight into the shower at that point, um, just to kind of see what, yeah, what was, if they were going to keep coming and um, just to get some relief from the hot water, which was really nice. Um, So I was in the shower for, uh, I'm not sure how long, maybe half an hour or so. 
and we were like thinking, yeah, okay, I think this is this is time to maybe make our way to hospital um, with the drive. So we kind of gathered all our things. Um, I popped my headphones in and I had a my hoodie and I had it all, all the way over my head and shut my eyes and um, yeah, the whole way in the in the car, I just had my I'd made a playlist um, like in the last weeks of pregnancy, um, which I had on you know throughout the night and whatnot, and I had that on with my headphones in all the way to hospital. Um, and the, yeah, the surges, um, were coming still super regularly, maybe like, um, two to three minutes apart or so, maybe, yeah, like three minutes, four minutes apart at this, at this stage. Um, so we made it into the hospital, settled in, uh, and whatever. I declined having a, um, vaginal examination, um, as they wanted to do when I got there, uh, and just kind of stayed in my stayed in my zone in there with my headphones in and um, tried to get Luke to kind of do the the talking and whatever to the doctors and the midwives. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until maybe lunchtime, I think, that next day that things kind of changed again. Um, so it was maybe like twelve one that they started to like the surges started to amp up again um and then yeah it was kind of at this stage that I really started to use more of my um my tools that I had I suppose for labor so I labored in the shower heaps um and on a birth ball um and using my affirmations I thought I would use them more, I suppose, um, physically, like get the cards out in my birth and whatever. But I really ended up using my cards a lot more throughout pregnancy, I suppose. Um, And then by the time I was in labor and in that space, I really was calling on affirmations subconsciously, if that, you know, like just from them, you know, from using them heaps in my pregnancy, they were kind of stored in my mind, I suppose. And, um, yeah, I really started calling on them to get me through and um, keep feeling like I could do it. And, uh, yeah, so I had that. Um, those kind of things were my main, I suppose, tools. Um I, yeah, declined a vaginal examination um, when I first went in. By the time it was the afternoon, uh, they'd done a, they were about to do a shift change. So I, and they were saying, you know, well, if you don't want to have a vaginal examination, then we're going to move you back to the, we're going to move you to the ward because we don't know if you're in labor or not pretty much. <laughs> even though I was clearly in labor. So I was like, um, so I said, oh, well, if I'm going to have one, then at least um, I want to wait till the shift changes over so that I've got, you know, if I'm going to have to, like if I'm going to have a couple, then I want them to be with the same person because I know they're not, you know, super reliable for um, in the first place, let alone if you have different midwives Mm, doing them. So true. Yeah, yeah. So, um, 
I waited until the shift change and then I, I agreed to have a vaginal examination um, and they did one and it was I was around four centimetres, which I knew, you know, like I'd already kind of know that not to base, I suppose, it on the numbers of how far along you are because it can change so quickly and whatever. Um, and she broke my waters while I accidentally, well, supposedly accidentally while she was doing the vaginal examination, which I was really disappointed about at the time. Um, I suppose because in the first place I'd kind of been like, oh, I don't even know if I like, you know, I'd kind of hoped to not have them. And then because they'd been like, oh, well, we're going to move you if you don't have one, because we have no way to tell if you're in labor, um, (laughs) I ended up having one and then, yeah, having my waters broken um, because I was so hoping for, you know, I suppose no intervention. And so I was a bit disappointed that that had happened, but I didn't, I suppose at that stage, I didn't really have the mental space to be thinking about it too much Mm -hmm. by that time. And then from there, um, yeah, it really um, picked up and it was within a couple of hours a few hours I reckon um I was transitioning so I went pretty quickly from you know it had been a good um over 24 hours like you know maybe 30 hours or something by that point that I was had gotten to that stage and then from there it went pretty reasonably quick so I was yeah using the shower heaps um and that was when I had kind of said, like started saying to my partner, oh my gosh, I can't, like I cannot do this anymore. Like if there's too much more of this, I'm going to need an epidural or something, which is like, you know, I've never even considered having an epidural. Like I knew that I wanted to do it unmedicated. But, though, you know, I was at that point where I was like, this is too much. Um, just like really had, you know, been engulfed in the intensity of it like it's so um yeah just so much more intense than I didn't I suppose I knew that it was going to be more intense than I thought it could but you know it's just like this experience that's so beyond what what you could put into words for you know if you've never had it so anyway I'm saying to my partner um yeah, this is it. Like, this is the point where I, you know, I can't do much more of this. Um, and I knew, and I, I kind of was saying to myself (laughs) at the same time, okay, like this is, this is transition. Like I'm transitioning now because that classic, like at the point where you can't do it anymore, you're nearly there. Um, and so I asked to, well, um, they asked if I wanted to do another examination and I agreed, um, I suppose just wanting to know, even though I knew that I, I suspected that I was transitioning. Um, and yeah, I was fully dilated at that point, um, which was a big relief. And almost instantly after I had said, like, I can't do this anymore, um, I my contractions changed. Like they'd been kind of really long and um, like a deep kind of, pain I suppose if you want to use the word pain um and then they changed almost instantly to like really short and sharp um that like expulsive kind of um sensation 
So from there, I was on the toilet. Like that was my my spot. <laughs> I was like, felt super good on the toilet. Like, cut not you know not comfortable, but um, yeah. that's where I felt like the best. Um, and yeah, I was there almost um, pretty much the next maybe hour or so. Um, and I started like having the urge to push while I was on the toilet. Um, and ended up moving to the bed uh, and I wanted to be on all fours uh, which I think in hindsight was for a reason and I wish I had of um, kind of I suppose been stronger in my like um, staying there but the midwife was like oh well can you like she wanted me to either like lean, you know, lean up on the bed or get on my back so that she could see what was going on kind of thing. And I wish at that point I'd been like, nah, F you, I'm going to be on my hands <laughs> and knees kind of yeah. thing. So I was on my back and pushing at this stage and I had a pretty short, I think, um, pushing stage. It was only kind of like 20, 30 minutes, I think, in total that I was from the first kind of urge I had to push to when um, when he was born. But when he did come out, I had um, – I had a sh- he had shoulder dystocia, so his shoulder was a bit stuck, which I think um, if I had, have, you know, been able to kind of listen to my intuition when it came to the position that I wanted to be in while pushing, that maybe it could have been avoided. But, yeah, he ended up having a shoulder dystocia, so his shoulder was a bit stuck and they um, – his head was out um, and they did the kind of manoeuvre where the back of my bed, like kind of I had to lay down flat and then they pulled my leg up and kind of gave him a bit of a pull to help him get out. Um, so that was intense at the end and I did um, have a couple of tears from that last bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I suppose by that stage – you know, he's out and everything in the world is fun. (laughs) At that point, nothing matters anymore. Um, Yeah, so we didn't find out the gender. So we kind of had a little moment and Mm. found out he was a boy and straight on my chest and um, didn't have, yeah, we did like super delayed cord um, clamping and whatnot. I wanted to leave it as long as possible. And um, we... I wanted to try for physiological third stage, so no, um, to not have the needle for the placenta mm-hmm. to be delivered. So we um, let the placenta come naturally um, and that was delivered maybe like 15 minutes later and then I started to lose a lot of blood. So they said to me, look, like you're losing more blood than we would like do you want us to give you the um the injection and I agreed to it at that point because I was you know I was fine with if I needed it kind of thing um and yeah we had a look at my placenta and my membranes were quite ragged um and they thought there might be a little bit left so while I was getting I had some stitches for my tears um and they ended up having to go and um, kind of like reach in and get the, the membrane that was left out. Um, so they did that and just said to like keep an eye on my 
bleeding and whatnot because they weren't um, super confident that everything was okay. So at that point it was fine. I actually ended up having a postpartum hemorrhage two weeks later. But, yeah, so um, I think, you know, at that point it was fine and, you know, um, we didn't worry about it. And I just had baby and we um, breastfed and, um, yeah, had those really beautiful first few hours together. Beautiful. How were you sort of feeling in those moments afterwards when you were able to take a moment to soak up the reality Mm. of you had succeeded in having your V back? Oh, (laughs) I was so, so, yeah, I was, it was euphoric, like that kind of, Oh, I was so proud of myself yeah. and and my baby for making it happen and like it was something that I wanted mm. so so badly and I really did fight for it like throughout pregnancy and throughout the labor and birth and mm. um I was yeah just so happy and so proud that I that I fought for it and then I you know I stuck with it and that I felt strong enough and empowered enough to keep going and um to make it happen kind of thing Mm. um yeah I was stoked I was so stoked so amazing well done mama yeah so with your postpartum hemorrhage how did you recognize that was it just a lot of bleeding yeah so I had a really really good recovery like compared to my c-section because that was the only other experience I'd had was recovering from major abdominal surgery Mm. (laughs) um this time around you know I was a bit swollen and sore and puffy for a you know a few days of course and I did lots of resting like in the first weeks um but yeah I was feeling really really good after you know a few days which was so nice compared to the first experience um and yeah, it was around two weeks after I, my bleeding had kind of slowed down a little bit. Like, you know, you bleed a lot the first little bit and then it kind of started to taper off. And then one morning I was just making breakfast and I just felt like this big gush of blood, like I could feel it coming out. And I went to the toilet and I was like, oh, this is not, <laughs> this is not normal. Um, so I ended up calling the midwives and I just like told them what was going on. And at this point I had to just be sitting on the toilet, um, because I couldn't, you know, like the pads would like filling too quickly kind of thing. Um, which was really scary. Like, um, I suppose, especially for my partner, like, I think I was a bit like adrenaline kind of just like call up, what, like, what do we do kind of thing? Um, but yeah, I called the midwife, told her what was going on, and she was like, "You need to call an ambulance now." So we called an ambulance, and because we're so far away um, from the hospital, and they took you know like forty minutes or so to get here. Um, and by that time, the bleeding had slowed down a bit. Um, but yeah, we went into the hospital. We ended up staying a night there, and um, I had an ultrasound to have a look and see if they could see anything left in my uterus and um, all of that and I ended up just having a round of um, antibiotics which I usually avoid antibiotics at all costs but (laughs) I um, thought 
thought this time it was probably a good idea and that because sometimes if you've got a little bit of retained product or whatever then you can get a bit of an infection and that can be kind of um, the bleeding and um, trying to get rid of the product and whatever so I had the round of antibiotics and um, yeah it all sorted itself out so I was super grateful to avoid because the other option was um, like a DNC where they kind of go in and almost scrape out the uterus um, to make sure there's nothing left in there. So I was grateful to avoid that. Um, and yeah, so everything was fine in the end, but, um, yeah, I think, um, I probably still had a little bit of membranes left in there from my ragged membranes, (laughs) which was not, not ideal, but (laughs) we all, we all came out okay in the end. (laughs) Did you end up doing anything special with your ragged membranes? (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, I kind of considered, um, I never, yeah, I considered keeping it, um, my placenta and whatnot, but yeah, we didn't end up, we didn't with either of them. Um, I think maybe next time I will and, um, maybe plant it or something but um but yeah I'm not into the personally I'm not into the um consuming which is fair enough so you said that you were potentially thinking of maybe baby number three yeah maybe I think I want a couple of years oh yeah definitely my first my first two were just under two years apart so yeah I think I want a solid solid maybe three years this time yeah but I think I will we'll have another eventually <laughs> and do you think a home birth would be an option next yeah time? yeah yeah for sure I definitely I suppose because the first like you know I wanted a home birth for my first and then you know that didn't happen and then the second it didn't quite you know I'm stoked that I obviously got my my natural v back and whatever but yeah definitely my third I I reckon I um I'll wait till we kind of have the right living situation and the right you know circumstances to be able to have a home birth because that's definitely an experience that I want to have in life yeah well I mean you've had a V back in hospital so you are more than capable of birthing your baby at home (laughs) yes absolutely and I think I almost needed um that little like reassurance like from you know I suppose to re to rebuild that trust in my body and and do whatever that yeah I can do it yeah um, absolutely so looking back at your entire journey what would be your key piece of advice for any expectant mothers out there um I think definitely just to get really good at tuning into your instincts and your intuition and trying to just block out the noise from everyone else yeah. um I think like throughout pregnancy and with birth and with having babies and young children there's just so much noise and so many opinions and it's you know from the outside like from everyone around you and from media and just it's a lot and I think it's so important that we know that um ourselves you know yourself and your baby know what's best like intuitively you know we have these instincts built into us um and you know if you've got your baby and they want to be on you 24 7 then wear them in a baby carrier 
all the time. Like yeah. don't, you know, and yeah, just all of that. Just do what feels good and feels right with every in every way. Beautiful advice. Well, it's been amazing to chat with you today, Joe. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing with us. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm so glad that I could come on. That brings us to the end of today's episode, everyone. Such an inspiring journey that I'm sure isn't the end for Joe and her family. I loved so much how, despite Joe's first birth ending in surgery, she embodied the ultimate surrender during that experience, teaching her such a valuable lesson in how to let go of desired outcomes and to make peace with what is. That is something I can relate to on a personal level with the birth of my twins. Another take home for me today is again, inconsistent labor. I use the word inconsistent loosely because your labor will be whatever your labor needs to be. This could very well be something that you experience. So today's episode is a great reminder that if your surges are stopping and starting and seemingly taking a long time to build in consistency, trust that your body is working it out. Whatever it is, she is doing it. Try to take quiet moments to connect back to yourself. Your body is always communicating to you, telling you what it needs. Listen without expectations of what you want it to look like and trust in the path that unfolds. Such an inspirational journey Joe has had. And guys, if you haven't already, please head over to her beautiful Instagram page, Made and Mama, to see her divine affirmation cards. She has so generously given all of my PBA listeners a discount code to use which you will find in the show notes i hope you've all enjoyed today's show if you love pba please leave a review on your podcast platform so that it can reach more women who need it i'll see you all next week for another episode of positive birth australia